Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Patrick, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting, Nick. Oh, Steve, how are you doing? It's a cup of COVID. It's Monday morning. I've got my cup of tea. How are you? I'm all right. I bought six mince pies for 39p at the weekend. I know you sent me a, sent me a WhatsApp message. Yeah. How That's were they? 6.5 pence per mince pie. I mean, it's surprising one can even like transport. We were talking about last time about the, the logistical infrastructure to be able to distribute the vaccine for the virus. But how can you di- how can you even move mince pies around the UK for 6.5p per mince pie? The quality of the mince pie must be awful. They're from Aldi, and the quality of the mince pie is pretty good, I would say. I yeah. mean, it's not it's none it's not your Heston Blumenthal's, but it's it's a it's a fairly nice um, pork pie, not pork pie, pork mince pie. pie. <laughs> I warmed them in the oven; they were um, delicious. There were two people who also sampled these uh, mince pies, and mm. they were pretty good. The only slight problem was that the lid detached a bit too readily from the base after they were okay. warmed. And someone commented that the pastry was a little on the flowery side, but they were well filled. They had a nice pattern on the top, and they were genuinely of good standard. Not oh, six point five pence. I didn't. I didn't know we'd become a mince poo, mince pie reviewing uh, podcast. But yeah, thanks for that. That was very good. Maybe you've got a career in uh, food reviewing. Absolutely. Well, yeah. only, only cheap, cheap food reviewing. That's what you do. Yeah, but why, why buy a mince pie for like two pound for six when you can buy them for thirty nine p for six? Because, because I don't know. I feel like you know, shouldn't shouldn't you shouldn't we be like you know spending money on our food? Shouldn't we be you know putting? Uh, otherwise, we're just incentivizing producers to make cheaper and poor, inferior quality mince pies. None of it's of good quality. And Aldi actually have a pretty good reputation with their suppliers. They treat their suppliers quite fairly, I believe, unlike other supermarkets. They won't name. <laughs> so I'm I'm a big okay. Aldi fan. And All I right, like, I like. Yeah, I, I I don't see the best in in commercial entities. I see the worst. So that's probably the difference between you and I. Well, you should you should start up your own cottage industry of producing mince pies. Maybe. You can sell them to all your other bean eating friends. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Right. I wanted to talk to you about vaccines. Last week we were speaking. It's, it's V Day, wasn't it? The, the, the victory, the vaccine day has occurred. We're going to be saved. The, the the Pfizer vaccine is currently being distributed to fifty centres around the UK it's, to immunise. I think tomorrow. Today is actually Monday the seventh, and I believe mm. tomorrow is the first day that people will start to receive it. Incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. So I always started thinking about it, right? Okay, so there's been a bit of discussion in the in the in the news, and and this is what I wanted <clears throat> to talk to you about today was that you know should we make the vaccination compulsory? Because there's some people you know that are kind of speaking out against potentially not having the vaccine, and for me it just seems absolutely ludicrous that we go to this incredible length of kind of creating a virus a, a vaccine from scratch in the shortest time we've ever done it. And people, you know, we've tested it. Oh, this particular vaccine is tested on forty thousand people. Absolutely safe. Been cleared by two independent government um, bodies to, to for use. They've managed to distribute 50, 20 million doses, and still people are like, yeah, don't trust it, right? <clears throat> so, what well, I mean, I'm a bit of one. I'm a bit like one of those, though, Steve. I'm a little bit. I'm a you little hate being bit. Being an hesitant. early adopter, don't you? you don't I'm like slightly hesitant. Yeah. 
I mean, I will what? do it, obviously, but what? I can what? understand. I can totally, like, unlike you, I can totally understand why people might well, can, do it. Help me, ex help me understand it then. So why wouldn't you? Because even though um, they have been approved by the MHRA, these are yeah. quite novel therapies, new treatments. Okay, uh, let me rephrase it. What, what data would you have to see for, for it to be unequivocal that you would do it? I think I'd probably want to see that it was safe for a couple of years. Okay, so you're just going to stay at home for a couple of years. <laughs> for a, well, I, I think I think that that is where you make a good point because I think that it, it is um, it's challenging, isn't it, to be able to get the world moving again um, in the short term without having long term safety data. To be honest with you, I'm playing devil's advocate a bit here because mm. there is there is some long term safety data because the RNA the RNA vaccines are the sort of the more, the more novel um, ones, which are as you mentioned previously, you inject a piece of RNA code and your body churns out the protein. And mm. I think people have been using these in safety trials for probably a decade or more more now. So there are cohorts of people, even though it's not used clinically. There's bunches of people who have had yeah. it in the past who are now perfectly healthy. They're not necessarily COVID vaccines. They're just vaccines. No, but it's the same. It's pretty, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty yeah. much the same thing. It's just a piece of code with a different protein jammed in it. So the upshot is they are all totally safe. But I can understand why people are um, a bit um, hesitant about it. Well, so I started looking into it. And, and um, you know, there's quite an interesting history about kind of forced vaccine. And, you know, on one hand, you've got people talking about, you know, that the government shouldn't be legislating you know, for taking away your, your freedoms and your rights. And then on the other hand, you've got other people basically suggesting that, um, you know, that, that the government has a duty to protect its citizens and actually you're impinging, your health is impinging on other people's. Um, so there's kind of, they're the kind of two sides of the argument. Um, it kind of, it's interesting. So in the, in the US, so let me just find it. Um, so so um, Louise Cooper, who, who's a, essentially a UK lawyer, um, uh, was interviewed by the, the Express and, and she said um, that, uh, Powers to make uh, regulations in England and Wales were made under uh, subject to the restrictions of the 1984 Act. The Coronavirus Act of 2020 introduced separate powers for Scotland and Ireland to make health protection law under their devolved powers. So, so, so the point of that, what does that mean? Yeah. So, so the the government has basically it's the it's the uh, government has no power to include mandatory treatment or vaccination in the UK. Um, we have in the past, interestingly. So. Um, in let me just find the date it's it, we had a we had a compulsory in 1953 we had a law about um the universal vaccine against smallpox um so so we have we there is precedent for us in the uk but at the moment we don't really uh we advise we you know we have, we have strong recommendations but we don't actually force people to take um any vaccines in the us i mean this comes this basically it comes out of a, an interesting um uh, point that's happening in the US at the moment, where um, uh, uh, Mary Beth Bosey, who's chair of the Health Law Section Task Force, said, the authority of the state to respond to a public health crisis is well established in constitutional law. In balancing the protection of public health and civil liberties, the public health law recognises that a person's health can and does affect others. So what they're trying to do at the moment is that they're, they're, um, the US has had um, some history of trying to enforce vaccines and then being denied upon uh, either voluntary or religious reasons. So people say, you know, the, the, the state says you should do it. Uh, this is very much done at the state level, not the federal level in the US. Um, and then people could revoke it um, and either choose not to, or um, actually just, you know, claim via religious grounds that, that it was not you know, ethical to do so. 
Some countries, though, Nick, they just like this. Actually, they seem to be correlated with um, uh, uh, a lot of Eastern European countries to say, no, stop. You can't do it. You're all having it. Right. So so places like Slovenia and Slovakia have um, some of the most uh, strict vaccination rules. Um, so there's also really other interesting so, so countries that you know you might expect so things like Serbia, Slovakia, Slovenia, uh, Hungary, these have very strong uh, mandatory uh, vaccination requirements. Bulgaria as well, um, Czech Republic, those kind of those kind of places. Um, interestingly, Italy and France also very strong vaccinations. That like you you know you're, the government requires you to do so in, in Italy and France. Well, you're compelled to do so in France. Yeah, exactly. Not um, COVID though. Not sorry. This is not for COVID. This is just in general for other vaccinations. So this is you know diseases like um, hepatitis A, um, uh, HPV, uh, mumps, um, rabies, rotavirus, things like that. Rabies uh, in France, really? Uh, actually, anyway. no, not in France. Rabies, but you know th these kind of very common uh, flu, BCG, the, these kind of. Um, yeah, I don't agree with mandatory vaccination. I don't agree. With um, I mean, well, they do it in schools, don't they, in the UK? Like, you would have had, like, I was vaccinated at school and, like, when we were little, I, I vaguely remember a doctor giving me a sugar cube, which I think was a polio vaccine. I remember mm. it quite clear. It stuck in my mind, so I must have been, like, a bit nervous about the whole thing. But um, I guess there it's just the thing that happens, and it may not be compulsory, but it's it's you have to sort of try quite hard to opt out. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's going to happen unless you kick up a fuss. I think in the past people wouldn't have kicked up a fuss, but now with all of this kind of misinformation, all the social media stuff knocking around, people are more strong-minded about it. So it's funny that this COVID thing's come at the time it has. If it, if, I think if it had happened like um, 20 or 30 years ago, people wouldn't have been so um, suspicious of vaccination, but it's because of all of this MMR and the internet and you know all that kerfuffle that um, people are more skeptical. <laughs> Because of the internet. Kerfuffle. Internet kerfuffle. <laughs> I like but I think, with, I, mean, I think with childhood vaccinations, though, it's a different thing to COVID because with childhood vaccinations, there's a very high chance. Well, it's not a high chance, but there's a significant chance that your child will contract a disease and be, you know, have a life changing um, disability or, or may die, right? Whereas mm. with COVID, you, you and I are not, realistically, we're not going to get sick from COVID and um yeah, we're protecting other people well exactly but it's not it's not usual that that's why you would have a vaccination so that's you would probably you probably as a parent yeah. be thinking about your own child not about you know luke smith not the dropout kid i think that's a difference and also there's other things like about the very low um, death rate from covid compared mm. with um other things also the the average age you know the the age at which people die from covid is higher than oh, the but... average age that people die by itself so it's um right. you know people people become a little bit skeptical about these things yeah and it, what, what about since since the, the flu vaccination we give that to old people so in countries like brazil the like it's a, it's a mandatory uh flu vaccination every year to everyone in the in the country everyone everyone even like a four-year-old, everyone. I don't, I'm not sure about children, um, but the, it, it's it's considered a mandatory um, immunization um, because it's no. just simpler. Yes, really. Yeah, everyone. Oh my it's god, mandatory. I wouldn't like that. I don't. Want to <laughs> that well, actually, it's really interesting. I don't think I've so ever had 
flu. I don't. I don't remember ever having flu. I think I have in my life. It's it's, it's miserable. Um, there's, there's an interesting um, article I found in the Canadian uh, Medical Association Journal from a few years ago, um, uh, where they essentially talk about the the international landscape of these kind of mandatory vaccinations. Um, interestingly, Australia they pay you. They incentive rather than rather than uh, telling you. Well, they use carrot rather than stick. They incentivize you and people to vaccinate their children and to vaccinate themselves. Um, you get 129 US dollars for each child who meets immunization requirements between 18 and 24 years of age. A bit frustrating to get US dollars. You'd have to go and like exchange. No, Austra Austra Australian. Did I say US? <laughs> oh, Australian. I know. Well, um, yeah. I think that that's um, that's a good that's a good idea. I, I would um, I would support that. Particularly so, would would you would you, know, would you take the coronavirus if they paid you? Yeah, yeah, I would. <laughs> How much? A pound? Thirty nine p for a mince pie.